So God had put in my heart First Peter. And uh, so it's just amazing to me that uh, I couldn't think of a better chapter, uh, excuse me, a better book to be in uh, when you're dealing with suffering, suffering of God's people um, and dealing with uh, those uh, truths that uh, not just what we learn, but what we display in times of suffering. And and so he deals with that in his general fashion is to encourage us to uh, speak a a positive and a negative, both, I guess, stated uh, here in chapter number one as he goes through and tells us all that we are and then we have expectations along with it and chapter number two seems to follow uh, the same type of uh um, exhortation here, uh, seeing all that you are, here's what you're supposed to do. And so we've come down, we were looking at, I believe, if I can see uh, enough here in my notes, uh, that we are taking a look now at, uh, we saw the prophecy, we saw our position, our precious Savior, and now we're looking how that we are peculiar people. Uh, and uh, then uh, verse number 11 talks about how that we're pilgrims. And so we end verse number 11. Uh, Dearly beloved, I beseech you, strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Uh, And so he begins to tell us as pilgrims and strangers, uh, he deals with how we are to live down here. He's talking about and how we relate to the lost world. Uh, on our jobs and and places like that, how we should relate to one another uh, and love the brotherhood. He goes down there and talks about then our relationship uh, inside the family. He will get to uh, later on. And so first thing he mentions is for us to be holy. Uh, we're to be a holy people. We're abstaining from these fleshly lusts that uh, if we're wanting to make an example to the lost world during this time of suffering, uh, nothing will destroy our testimony amongst the Gentile, amongst the, those that are without, like sin. Uh, being unholy, uh, you will lose uh, a whole lot in your testimony for the Lord. And so he exhorts us, number one, as pilgrims and strangers, to be holy. So we should be holy. Uh, and then he goes on to tell us that we should be honest, having our conversation honest amongst the Gentiles. And, uh, and that's in verse number 12. And then in verse number 13, he exhorts us to be humble. Uh, Verse number 13 says for us to submit ourselves to every ordinance of man uh, for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king of supreme or unto governors, unto them that are sent by him, sent by the Lord, for the punishment of evildoers, but also for the praise of them that do well. And we looked at various examples of uh, ones that had done that and come through the other side with a great testimony, even leading others to want to serve their same God. And so um, that's a wonderful example for us and how to be holy and then how to be humble, Uh, humble ourselves. And uh, uh, that's a very difficult thing to do. And some are uh, still finding it very difficult to do. Uh, And uh, they are uh, quite self-absorbed. And it seems like they're trying to uh, lift themselves up in pride uh, as though they are the most spiritual ones because uh, they they are the standard by which people should uh, operate their churches. So uh, that doesn't 
doesn't uh, reflect the humility here of 1 Peter chapter 2 uh, and, and humbling ourselves and submitting to these ordinances until they come uh, to a place where they begin to cross the Bible. And when they cross God and they uh, want to do like those in the Old Testament, uh, given Daniel, for example, given the uh, three uh, that we looked at in the fire, that they come and tell me I must worship and bow down, not to the God of heaven, uh, but to President Trump and never worship Jesus again, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to humbly and kindly uh, refuse to accept that, and I'm just going to keep praying and worshiping God like Daniel had always done. I'm going to continue to always do that. And so anyway, those are what those uh, verses are speaking. Uh, so we try our best to humble ourselves and submit ourselves uh, to these ordinances so long as they don't cross the word of God. Um, and uh, so we have to look at the uh, line in which, you know, we see things of uh, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is. Uh, and so we don't want to be forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Uh, but as far as I know, no pastor that I know is forsaking the assembling of themselves, uh, nor their churches, uh, but are um, <clears throat> relieving themselves just for a period of time, uh, uh, as uh, we have been asked to do. Um, and so uh, anyhow, that's between a man and his church and a man and God. And so we need to be in much prayer for these that are trying to make these difficult decisions. I'm hearing in some places they're charging in. Uh, those that have chose to go ahead and have services in person, uh, they have stormed in and arresting pastors and uh, things like that. I, you know, I... Uh, need to, we all need to be much in prayer for those men as they try to make the best decision that they can that, to honor God. And uh, <clears throat> so we don't pretend to have all the answers, and we need to be in prayer for one another uh, during this time. And so verse number 15, so we're to be holy and we're to be humble, a spirit of humility and submission. Uh, it takes humility to submit, whether it's a wife to a husband, uh, whether it's a child to a parent, uh, whether it's uh, the Lord Jesus, our Savior, to the Father. Uh, it's whether it's him in washing others' feet, whether uh, it's uh, us uh, uh, obeying those that have the rule over us in the Lord, uh, it takes humility. It takes humility. There's no room for pride and, and uh, self-promotion uh, and self-gratification uh, in the service of God. And so you're going to have to humble and submit yourselves uh, to things that are uncomfortable. And uh, that's part of New Testament Christianity. Uh, and it doesn't reflect people that are suffering. Uh, it doesn't reflect their spirituality. Uh, some people uh, want to charge those that suffer as though God's punishment is on them all the time. But um, obviously that's ridiculous. Uh, Jesus suffered, leave it as an example. And he was right in the middle of the will of God. Paul suffered like uh, no one since Jesus, I suppose. And um, he uh, stood alone in a dark world world and um, all the things that he suffered. He listed the majority of them, uh, but he was right in the middle of the will of God being led by the Holy Ghost and uh, still suffered. Uh, so <clears throat> anyhow, we're going to have to humble ourselves uh, to God's way and submit ourselves where it's necessary. Now, verse number 15, as we're holy and we're humble, uh, we uh, begin to look at uh, our, um, <clears throat> excuse me, as we're holy and as we're humble, in verse number 14, uh, we look at verse number 17, and it shows that we're to honor those. 
Uh, so we're to honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. And so we are supposed to do that as under the Lord. We are to honor all men. And uh, <clears throat> once again, there's no place for trying to tear down the character of other people to promote yourself. Uh, there's no uh, reward in that in heaven or in this life. Um, you might uh, win a few people by that manner, but then they'll be won by the next person that tries to destroy your character to lift themselves up. Uh, so the best thing we can do is to be gracious, kind, gentle, God-fearing, steadfast, vigilant, and sober, and holy, and humble people. And we ought to be kind and generous, and we ought to honor people, give respect to people, value people, um, and not look down on people, and not look to them as there's some stepping stool for you to get to the place in life that you want to get. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. We certainly need to love uh, the brotherhood. That would be a, a great thing for us as far as I understand that verse to mean. Uh, me as a member of Harriman Baptist Tabernacle, uh, that would mean my love to the God's church, to the bride of Christ, his body. Uh, it, it extends beyond the four walls of this building. Uh, and so my love ought to extend out to wherever uh, those that are found to be uh, a member of the household of God. My love should be fervent for them, and I should love them dearly. Uh, and I can say that uh, I've never uh, been loved quite like I've been loved by God's people. No matter where I go, if I travel somewhere and preach, uh, I used to preach in some uh, other places. I'd go to Virginia, for instance, and preach. And uh, those people there, though I wasn't a member there, uh, treated me like I was one of their own family. And uh, that's the brotherhood. That's the, the family of God, the household of God, our love extending to those that are born again. I'm not in competition uh, with members of other churches uh, to see who's better and who's got the better church or who's... Uh, uh, what have you. We're not in a competition here. Uh, we are just members of the same body located in two different places, and uh, we ought to love one another. And uh, I never see love aiming to tear people down. Uh, love doesn't do that. Uh, now, it'll speak the truth, and sometimes the truth's difficult to hear and might in involve some pretty uh, negative things sometimes. Uh, but as far as just tearing other people down uh, by misusing and misapplying Scripture, I can't find that anywhere in the Bible. So honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Uh, it'd be good if we seen a fear of God in our country, uh, but it's sad to say uh, that there is no fear of God. I don't really see people running to Jesus uh, during this time. I don't see masses being saved and turning to the Lord. Uh, uh, most people are looking for a, another pill to take uh, or a vaccine to inject themselves with uh, to get over this little problem, and they fail to see God in the operation of it all. Uh, God's in everything. God's allowed this to happen uh, for whatever his purposes are, whatever his reason is. And uh, so we ought to see God in everything and fear God. And again, uh, this is talking to Christians. So this is not a slavish fear. Uh, this is the fatherly fear that we talked about. This uh, faithful fear. This is a, uh, as my son would fear me out of love. Uh, not afraid I'm going to hurt him or kill him if he doesn't. Uh, but out of love for me. And that's what we ought to do. Fear God because we love him out of, out of love for him. Now honor the king. And then verse number 18, he talks about our relationship ship to our uh, on the job uh, servants to be subject to your masters with all fear 
uh, not only to the good bosses that you really like and get along with, but also to those that you really don't like so much. And so uh, there's uh, that one for you to chew on for a while. And it took me a long time to uh, deal with that uh, personally. And so uh, uh, that one won't be easy done. It's easy to serve good people. Uh, it's very difficult to serve people that are forward. And so um, we have to learn that uh, that is a... Um, that is a school grade you're not going to get passed on to. Uh, you are going to have to stay right there until you learn how to patiently uh, and for the, for the sake of the Lord and for your own testimony, uh, be good and honor people and be servants of those that are not worthy to serve, honestly. Uh, but verse number 19, this is thankworthy, conscious man is in degree. He suffers wrongfully. Uh, that's how Jesus suffered, the just for the unjust. Jesus suffered uh, having done no wrong. Uh, he never did anything wrong. The Bible's going to go on and tell us that. Uh, but he hadn't done anything wrong. He suffered on behalf of others. And so he's left us an example now. Uh, so that we're to uh, honor. And then we get on down through here and he's going to give us the example of him. And so uh, the last thing we look at here, and we'll get through this chapter, uh, is servants be subject to your masters. So this is thankworthy. Uh, verse number 19, if a man for conscience towards God endures grief, suffering wrongfully. And so that is uh, something that is acceptable to the Lord. Uh, if we suffer in this life and we've not done much wrong uh, to cause it, which uh, as far as I know, I haven't. So um, you suffer in things that... Um, uh, times you first thing I always do when I reflect on my suffering, uh, if I'm going through something, the first thing I do is assume uh, that I've done something wrong. Uh, I don't know about you. That's the first thing my mind runs to. God's punishing me for something. Uh, if I get a kidney stone, that's the first place my mind goes is, oh, Lord, help me. And then, oh, Lord, what did I do? Forgive me for whatever I did. And uh, sometimes that's not always the case. God allows you to suffer uh, for things that uh, you didn't even cause. Uh, men have been shipwrecked uh, in the sea uh, and didn't do anything wrong because they believed God. Uh, but they were caught up in a storm that others have caused. And I've heard great, tremendous messages on that. And I'm sure uh, you can find some out there that are just tremendous to that subject. Uh, is what to do when you're going through suffering and you didn't cause it. Uh, and so um, I'm not going to take the time to deal with that. But it's uh, uh, certainly something that is acceptable unto the Lord. It's a good thing. Uh, if we, for conscience towards God, we endure the grief. And we suffer through something someone else even caused that we didn't do it. Uh, but for our love to God, we endure that grief and we bear under that load and we suffer wrongfully. Now, verse number 20, what glory is it uh, if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? Uh, well, of course, you're the one that did something wrong. Um, you're not getting you're not getting any cookies because you made it through a whipping uh, that you deserve to get anyway. Uh, if uh, you step out of the will of God and you take it upon yourself to uh, run and, and, and do something different and you didn't consult God and didn't uh, even think about what the will of God might be in the matter and then you suffer for it a few months down the road, uh, you're not going to get any accolades and rewards and crowns in heaven because you suffered for something that you caused. Uh, so I think that's a lot more uh, in our life than maybe we consider uh, and so we oftentimes get put out. Uh, I told a man the other day, I said, there's times uh, I got a, a nice, beautiful letter from the IRS. I've been waiting on my tax return. I always overpaid. 
and uh, I like getting a little bit back at the end. I don't like lending the government my money, but uh, I like having a, uh, getting a little back at the end and uh, unexpectedly kind of, you know. And so I've been, Amber and I have been waiting on that money to come and uh, I, I couldn't figure out uh, what happened and we had called the man prepared our taxes and uh, he said, I don't know, you know, it should be there. And so, with, but the very next day, um, I ended up getting a, just a beautiful, nice letter from the government, from the IRS, that I have been chosen and uh, made me feel so special. So I've been chosen for them to look further into me, I suppose, and what I'm doing. And uh, so I, I, don't, I don't even claim itemized deductions. I just take the general deduction there that's given the standard. Uh, so I don't know what they're looking into, but uh, I, I thought, now, Lord, all that we've been going through here, uh, I'm not sure I deserve that one. And uh, I say it jokingly, but in my mind, I kind of felt that way. You know, Lord, I don't know that I would have done that. Um, you know, I've been trying to do right. I've been trying to give and uh, do what's right by my money for many years and try to do right. And then all of a sudden you let this happen to me. I don't know if you think that way, uh, but then I'm always quickly reminded of verses like these uh, that, uh, you know, who knows what could come along and who I might be brought into contact with that might need to hear about the Lord. There's no telling what God's purposes are uh, for all the things that he does. Who knows what uh, you think you get sent to the hospital and what a terrible thing it is with something is some kind of sickness uh, but what if a nurse at the hospital needed to see your faith in Jesus and uh, maybe needed a track for you to leave in the room or you know who, who knows and uh, here we're all down and mad and Lord why'd you do this to me why'd you let this happen and uh, uh, that's how selfish sometimes we can get and so just trust God. God's not in the business of trying to make all of us miserable and doing things. He's got a purpose for what he does. He doesn't just, things don't just happen and befall us and just happen. Uh, God's got an eternal purpose and a plan uh, for all that he allows in your life. He's the one in control. And the last verse is going to tell us that. But um, so we can trust him and rest safely in him. If something happens and it comes your way, uh, examine yourself. Lord, is it me? What did I do? What? That's an okay thought to have. Uh, but then quickly, move on to, Lord, now help me to go through this thing patiently. Help me to uh, keep my words in check. Help me to suffer right. Help me to um, keep my attitude and my words and uh, my ways about me to be godly. And uh, maybe I might be able to reach somebody for the Lord. And so we ought to keep that attitude. So we need to be humble and, and holy. Uh, and then we're looking to him. We see number one in verse number 21, we're going to look at uh, how Jesus suffered as our example. So he's dealt with some suffering already. Uh, but uh, then in verse number 21, uh, after he tells us how we should suffer uh, when we do well, that we should take it patiently. Uh, this is acceptable with God. And so verse number 21 now comes to, for even here unto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his footsteps. Uh, Christ also suffered for us. He uses also there, I believe, he's talking about in connection uh, with doing well, you suffer and you take it patiently. And so he just comes on the heels of that verse and says, now, uh, I'm not telling you to do something I've not done myself. Uh, and so uh, look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, and see how that Jesus suffered doing well and took it patiently. And he's going to lay that out in a beautiful fashion to show the sufferings of our Lord and how that he took that patiently. And the Bible says he did that for us to leave us an example. And so the Lord's telling you to suffer 
suffer during these times and, and whether you did anything or not, no matter what you've done or didn't do, or did, none of that really even matters at this point. You need to suffer, take it patiently and endure this grief and go through these trials and uh, do so because Jesus Christ suffered for you. Uh, he had done well. You're the one that did not do well. I'm the one that did not do well. Jesus is the one that did well, who did no sin that's going to go on and tell us. And yet he suffered the just for the unjust. And so it's not unreasonable for him to ask you to suffer for doing well. He suffered for you. You're wrong. And uh, now he's wanting you to suffer maybe for the wrongs of others. And uh, because he's left you an example to follow. And uh, he uh, didn't just come uh, merely, the Bible says, worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He absolutely did that. He uh, gave himself for uh, not only as us, but for us. He gave his life for us, but also to us uh, as an example. So he's imparted life to you, but also left you an example of how you should live the Christian life. You take sufferings patiently. Uh, nobody has suffered like Jesus, not just just in the manner in which he suffered, uh, not just the degree in which he suffered, uh, because he suffered, his sufferings were twofold. Uh, he suffered uh, at the hands of wicked men, the Bible talks about. Uh, Jesus certainly did suffer from uh, physical things. He suffered physically. He suffered, uh, the Bible lays out all the physical sufferings that Jesus went through, uh, but he also suffered on a level that no human being uh, could stand up against the sufferings that were laid upon him uh, by the Father. He suffered uh, a, a, an unseen suffering. He suffered paying the penalty, the death, uh, the price that was paid and tasting death for every man. Uh, that, is quite, that is the stripes in which we are healed. Uh, the Bible talks about uh, here later on. Uh, but nobody suffered like Jesus. And in all the manner that he suffered, uh, no matter what you want to talk about in his suffering there, uh, whether it be from the Romans, whether it be from his own friends that denied him, whether you want to talk about the Jewish people uh, that chose a, a, a despicable human being uh, to be freed and him to be delivered. And so uh, all the things that he suffered, the emotional sufferings and uh, the uh, all the different ways in which Jesus suffered. You want to talk about how he suffered uh, from the Lord. Uh, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. And uh, you know, all those things that he suffered, no matter what you want to look at, in every way that he suffered, he took it patiently. He endured those things, though he had not done one single thing wrong. He endured those things. And he's going to lay out for us how we're going to be able to do that. And so verse number 20, and we're looking unto him. Uh, the first thing that we see uh, is that uh, he suffered. So we see uh, our suffering Savior uh, in verse number 21. Here unto even were you called, because Christ has suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow his steps. And so, man, what a... What a um, expectation is laid upon me and you. Uh, there's more to the Christian life than um, that uh, comes after you're saved. That's just the beginning. Uh, that's not the end. Um, there's a whole lot more of an expectation. I've heard people say it really doesn't matter how I live. Uh, just that I repeated a prayer. And, well, it certainly does. It matters a whole lot. It matters a whole lot to God uh, how the Christian lives, how he lives through suffering. 
So verses number 21, we see, uh, and when we're looking unto him, uh, we take note of his suffering. And then verse number 22, uh, the Bible's going to show us that he was sinless. Look at verse 22 of 1 Peter chapter number 2. Talking about the Lord Jesus who did no sin. And so uh, I want to uh, look at this just for a moment. Uh, the uh, many uh, in the Bible, we got Peter here talking uh, from a manner that, and we know the inspiration of the scriptures and how that went about. Uh, but here's a man just practically speaking, was able to say with all truth and sincerity in his heart that Jesus did no sin. Now, here's a man that saw Jesus, that lived with him, that spent his time day in and day out and could stand right here tonight in these scriptures and tell us that Jesus Christ did no sin. There was nothing that Peter saw that was amiss in the life of the Lord Jesus when he was upon this earth. And uh, many others testified to the same thing. We got Pilate when he was delivered to Pilate. Uh, Pilate also, when he looked for many ways to try to find something wrong, he said I find no fault in him at all. And so uh, Pilate, Peter found no fault in him. Pilate found no fault in him. And then the dying thief on the cross, he tells his brother, his uh, buddy there, uh, uh, his cohort and, uh, and, and whatever they were uh, doing, he said, this man, we deserve this, but this man has done nothing amiss. Uh, even he had to testify uh, that the Lord Jesus was absolutely sinless. There was uh, nothing outwardly that they could ever find in Jesus. They never, uh, they never saw him in a, uh, a manner uh, that, he, that was not becoming of the will of God. He, he was always uh, uh, everything that he did. He's never in my will, but always in the will of God. And he, he never had a thought, an impure thought, never had an imagination, uh, never, never uh, uh, went on with uh, um, foolish jesting, never... If, uh, uh, think of what the Bible says and it says abstain from the appearance of evil. He abstained from every appearance of evil. The highest expectation of a perfectly righteous and holy God in heaven. Uh, Jesus Christ lived up to every bit of it. There was not one jot nor tittle. All the law uh, was fulfilled in Christ Jesus our precious Lord. Uh, he uh, did everything that he did. Uh, he did as a holy, um, harmless, undefiled and separate God man. He never uh, one time did he ever uh, uh, say something that was out of place. No one time did he mislead somebody into thinking something that uh, uh, or trick somebody or try to uh, never one time did he ever uh, speak a word uh, that he shouldn't have spoken. Uh, many of us probably do that more times in a day we care to admit and never in the whole life of Jesus did he say a word that displeased the Father. Now, can you imagine? Uh, I I have a hard time in just a day trying to live in a manner that pleases the Lord. I have to do it by faith. Uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And uh, uh, so we just try to live by faith and, uh, and the faith of Christ. And we're still uh, unable to meet up to the expectation uh, of the word of God. And Jesus Christ lived up to every single uh, uh, requirement, every single uh, expectation when uh, he had been praying in the garden. And uh, uh, well, well, we'll go on and look at that. Let me just uh, say again, uh, not only did he do no sin outwardly. Uh, 
uh, and that would be enough. That cannot be said of another human being that's ever breathed God's air. Not another person has ever lived uh, from the time of Adam in the garden in the manner that Jesus did uh, all throughout human history. Uh, The one thing that has marked the human race is transgressions and iniquities and failures and faults and sins. And Jesus Christ Almighty had none of them. He had no faults to confess to one another. He had no sins to confess to God. He had nothing amiss, nothing, no fault in this man at all. And that's your Savior that came and died uh, on your behalf and for you and uh, and delivered himself, gave himself uh, uh, to uh, that end. Now, uh, so not only do you see that he did no sins outwardly, uh, uh, neither was guile. In verse 22, neither was guile found in his mouth. And so not only did Jesus never act upon any sin, not only uh, did he never say anything vocally uh, that would um, uh, uh, be out of line, never, never one time did he uh, speak too harshly to somebody when he shouldn't have, or uh, never one time did he ever do anything like that. Also, you can see right here, look at what the verse says again, neither was guile found in his mouth. And so you can see right into the very inside and heart of Jesus uh, by uh, the examination of this one verse saying that never was a single ounce of guile found in the mouth of Jesus. Now there is a whole lot of stuff um, that uh, um, by the grace of God uh, that I'm able not to say uh, by the grace of God. Uh, But there's a whole lot more uh, that I would like to say. And uh, I may by the grace of God be able not to say it to somebody uh, but it's certainly in my mouth and uh, I would certainly like to say it to them but oftentimes you don't because the Lord's helped you to overcome something. Uh, Somebody you'd like to really just tell off or, or or somebody you'd like to say something to and uh, really, you know, straighten them out or whatever the case is. Um, and uh, uh, so you, by the grace of God, you're able just to bite your tongue and not say it. But those things are still in your mouth. Uh, there's things that are still there inside that we have to fight against. That was not so in the case of Jesus. There was no guile in the mouth of Jesus. There was no fighting against lying and uh, uh, being hypocritical and trying to be uh, uh, make people think higher of him than he was. There was no uh, tearing people down to elevate himself. And um, everything he said, he said with truth and sincerity and honesty and integrity and love. He had the right amount of, of rebuking and the right amount of exhortation at every moment, every second of his life from a child, I believe as a, from a child. Never a time that he disobey his mother. There wasn't a time that he wished he didn't obey his daddy. There was, I mean, a man that was able to live an absolutely holy and righteous and perfect life and his name was Jesus Christ and so we see uh, not only that we see have an example in his suffering uh, we see this great savior uh, why it's so important that we take note in this in following the example of his suffering because his sufferings were not of his own it wasn't of his own doing he wasn't being buffeted for his own faults he needed no messenger of Satan to buffet him should he be exalted above measure? Uh, there was never a time uh, when Jesus would be exalted above measure. He's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He's the um, the, uh, the whole world was created by Him and for Him. Uh, when out anything uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with 
God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Nothing was made without Him. For Him, everything was made. Uh, and so uh, Jesus Christ, uh, this great chief cornerstone, this great example that we have in our suffering, if we'll just look to Jesus who never suffered one time for any just purpose that He deserved. There was never a whip that touched the back of Jesus Christ that was scourging Him or whipping Him for anything that He did done or that He deserved. I, uh, the Bible says the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. Uh, the punishment that was due you was upon Him. Uh, but He had done nothing amiss. Never a, a thought or an intent uh, that was wrong or out of the will of God. He was perfectly sinless, absolutely sinless. Um, at no what degree you want to look at that. Now, uh, suffering, uh, we see that He was sinless in verse number 23 and uh, in verse number 22. Now look at verse number 23. Now, I'm going to say this here, looking at the humanity of Jesus, looking at the fact that he was perfect God and perfect man. Uh, he's leaving us an example. He wouldn't do that as God himself because we're not God. Uh, so I believe that's talking about in his humanity, uh, uh, how he lived physically down here, uh, leaving us an example. Uh, he was able to suffer the just for the unjust. And as a sheep before shears was dumb, so he opened it, not his mouth. And he was able to endure it, take it patiently and leave an impression in the life of people uh, that mistreated him and uh, uh, denied him and were ashamed of him. He was able to take all of that. What would you do if you went to your uh, time of suffering and you were as innocent as you could be uh, and uh, your best friend in the whole world uh, just decided to tell the news reporters, they said, well, you went to school with him. And they said, no, I don't have a clue who that is. And just denied and uh, basically making you look guilty like you, they didn't want to be identified with you. The next time I saw them, I'd probably smack them right in the mouth, I guess. Uh, who could do something like that so low down and sorry? And Jesus, what happened when he uh, saw them? Uh, he dealt with Peter's mess uh, that he had caused, but he did it in such a loving fashion. Uh, you, you can just see the character of God in uh, the person of Jesus and how he dealt with those things, suffering uh, when he had done no wrong. And uh, so we see his suffering was just sinless. Uh, and then we see in verse number 23, we see that he was submitted. Uh, the Bible says in verse number 23, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. But here's a key word that I want to take just a minute and give you some thoughts from. Uh, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Now, uh, that's Jesus, the, uh, the same uh, person that uh, uh, is just uh, uh, equal with God, just as much the, uh, equal, uh, just as much God and the Godhead uh, as the Father or the Holy Ghost, but yet submissive uh, in their duties. He's leaving you an example. Uh, he committed himself uh, to the one that judges righteously. Now, uh, that same one said he's committed into his hands all judgment uh, in the latter days because he's expecting his enemies to be made his footstool. Uh, but that's in later times as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, but here is talking about the suffering Savior, the God-man Jesus. 
How that he suffered patiently, having done no wrong. How he, uh, the very people, what did he tell us at Caiaphas uh, that smote him across the cheek? And he told Caiaphas, said, if I have spoken evil, if I've done something evil, uh, then say so. But if well, why smitest thou me upon the cheek? Uh, that's all that he said. He, he could have said, don't you know who you're smacking? Don't you know who you're dealing with? You wait till I get a hold of you. He didn't threaten him. He just took it patiently. He turned his cheek and just said to him, why, if I have done nothing wrong, why are you smacking me? And, and just the manner in which he went through all of his sufferings, how are you holding up when you're suffering? Maybe at the hands of a husband that takes you for granted, or maybe a, 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 a rebellious wife, or maybe a rebellious child, and it's bringing sufferings upon your family that you didn't cause. How, how are you dealing with that situation? How, uh, how are you dealing in the situation at work and uh, out in the world where you're suffering for maybe something you didn't do wrong? Uh, are you lashing out, ready to throw overboard the one that's causing the suffering? Are you uh, ready to sit back and make a Facebook post about how if they'd get their life right with God, everything would be better and shame them publicly? Is that what you're looking to do? Or uh, what is it? that How are are you dealing with your sufferings? Uh, how are you dealing with people uh, that mistreat you <clears throat> when you've done no wrong? How are you doing with that? Uh, Jesus did it perfectly. Uh, never uh, did sin, never guile in his mouth when he was reviled. He didn't revile back again. Isn't that what people want to do? You preach in our day. You take a man of God that just gets full of the Holy Ghost and just preaches the Bible uh, and just uh, just just delivering mails all he's doing, and he preaches on something you're guilty of. Uh, one of the first things people will do is they'll want to look back and say, "Well, I know what he's guilty of. I know what he did last week. I know things he used to do when he was young, and I know." And that somehow they'll uh, ignore God's message because of something they think they know about the messenger. And so uh, how, how, are you, how are you dealing uh, with things in your life uh, uh, where the Bible's telling us that we should, uh, uh, when we're reviled, reviled, not again. We're always wanting to get even. Uh, what if that person was doing it on purpose? What if there was a preacher out there, God forbid, who did get up and just revile you just to hurt you or whatever the case is? Uh, so what if he did? Uh, I think the most important thing would be how your response to it. God will deal with him, but what's your response to it? Are you going to revile him again because he's not going to get away with talking to you that way? What's your attitude going to be? That's a, uh, that's a difficult thing to do. Uh, it's easy for some some of us Baptists to shout on when people preach against sodomy and they preach against things like that. We can shout. Uh, we're not um, a lot of people in our day, you know, we've got this idea if we're not drunks and we're not sodomites, somehow we're okay. We're comparing ourselves to amongst ourselves and as long as my sins are not as bad as my neighbors, uh, somehow I'm better than them and so I'm okay as long as it's kind of like the idea of outrunning the bear. I don't have to be as fast as the bear. I just have to be as fast as you. And so he'll catch you and eat you. If I can just outrun you, I'll be okay. Uh, on the other end of God's scales, when your weight in the balances is not a church hypocrite and it's not your neighbor, uh, it's Jesus Christ, this sinless son of God that we see given in these chapters. Now, uh, so we need to be careful and how that when we're reviled, we don't need to revile again. 
the tendency's there. Uh, the reaction is there in your flesh to want to do that, to lash out uh, um, when people uh, speak evil against you and those kinds of things. When he suffered, uh, he threatened not. He wasn't, uh, I'll get them back. Um, uh, their days are coming. Um, in fact, what did he tell, uh, what did he tell uh, Peter in the garden? He told Peter in the garden, when Peter cut the ear off a man, uh, he told Peter, said, look, uh, don't you suppose that I could pray to my father and he'd send me 12 legions. Now, uh, I believe there's something, I've got it written down here somewhere, 6,000 maybe soldiers in a Roman legion. And uh, uh, he said, the father, if I prayed, would send me 12 legions of angels. One angel in one night killed Every firstborn, I mean, of all of Egypt. How powerful are they? I, at one time, I looked at biblically how many uh, uh, people an angel could kill. Uh, and uh, I wish I could find that study. And I looked everywhere for it and I couldn't find it. Uh, but if I find it, I'll bring it to you. And it's, it's pretty interesting in the Bible, uh, just showing just the capabilities, the power of just one angel. And so he's saying, look, I've got the power. I could call down all of the hosts of heaven. Because he, just like he told Pilate, if my kingdom were of this world, then would my uh, uh, soldiers and uh, would fight. But uh, uh, anyhow, so uh, he said, uh, I could do that. I could call. But then how shall the scriptures be fulfilled? And so uh, that just gives an example here uh, who when he suffered, he threatened not. But look at what he did. He committed himself to him that judges righteously. And so I want to look at this uh, next part. Uh, he suffered. He was sinless and that he submitted, submitted himself. Uh, they said all kinds of ugly things about Jesus. They said that he was born of fornication. Uh, they said that he was under the demonic possession. He was uh, uh, under the power of Beelzebub. Was he casting out demons? Uh, they said all kinds of horrible things about Jesus, uh, and he never did revile again. Uh, so he suffered and never threatened back, and uh, all the things that he went through he uh, was able to do because uh, if you look there, how he got through all of those sufferings, he was in prayer in the garden. And so if me and you are going to get through, if we're going to make it and be able to do what the Lord's left us an example to do, if we're going to suffer patiently and we're going to endure grief and we're going to do it having done well, uh, we're going to have to pray. We're, apart from prayer, uh, when you're reviling again, you've not prayed. When you're threatening, you've not been praying. Uh, uh, you've got to commit yourself. And so I want to give you just a couple of things and I'll quit. Uh, just a couple of things, and we'll come back here and finish up just a little. Uh, but he committed himself. He's committed. And so if you're committed, you won't revile and you won't threaten. Uh, he surrendered. Uh, he's yielded himself. Now, this is talking about God uh, surrendering and yielding himself to himself, okay? Uh, but look as it was the man Christ Jesus. He committed himself to the Father. He surrendered. He yielded himself. We won't turn to these because I'm out of time. But if you look at Matthew chapter number 4 and verse number 12, uh, the Bible says that John was cast into prison. Uh, that same uh, thing there, John being cast into prison. Cast into prison uh, is translated from the same word we have here, committed. 
And so people uh, placed him under the authority of another. They took him and put him, uh, shut him up uh, into the authority of someone else. Daniel wasn't shut up with the lions. He was shut up with God. The Hebrews weren't shut in a a furnace uh, with fire. They were shut up with the Father. And uh, the same thing with Jesus. Jesus, uh, as as John was surrendered and was handed over uh, to the authority and power of those in the prison, uh, so Jesus placed himself solely under the authority and care and direction and leadership of the Father. And you and I are going to have to do the same thing. We are going to have to cast ourselves into the prison of God as to speak, and we are going to have to fully, at whatever cost to ourselves, uh, cast ourselves into uh, the person and will and way of God. That's what Jesus did. Uh, Another place this is translated quickly. Uh, The Bible says Judas betrayed Jesus in Matthew chapter number 10 and verse number 4. Betrayed is the same word here as committed. And, 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 and if you uh, want to think about this, and I was just thinking about this uh, earlier today, uh, basically abandoning himself and surrendering to another. So if you took that word committed, he committed himself, uh, he, uh, he uh, in verse number uh, that we have here talking about, uh, in verse number four, excuse me, he abandoned himself, he betrayed himself. And don't think of betray as you understand it. Uh, uh, Jesus basically betrayed himself. Uh, um, you know, you've heard preachers say, agree with God against yourself and talking about repentance. Jesus betrayed himself at any cost to himself. If that meant a Roman cross, if that meant a whipping, if that meant uh, going hungry, if that meant getting thirsty, if that meant weeping, if that meant any kind of suffering, being smacked and mistreated and ridiculed and reviled and threatened and all the things that he went through. If that's what it meant to be solely committed and surrendered and yielded to the will of the Father, then that's what he did. At whatever cost to himself, he betrayed himself, uh, committing, betraying himself unto him that judges righteously. And you young people, especially in your life, you are going to have to betray yourself. You're going to have to turn on the fleshly desires and lusts and, and attitudes and, and, and plans for your life. You're going to have to betray that, betray yourself by delivering yourself unto him, committing yourself unto him that judges righteously, unto him that's able to take the care, to take the leadership, to lead your life, to place your life under the control and care of Jesus Christ. And so that's what this word picture is giving us. He betrayed himself. Uh, uh, now look at, uh, well, if you get time later, Matthew chapter number 27, uh, the Bible says delivered. He was delivered to Pilate in Acts 15, 26, Paul and Barnabas, the Bible says hazarded, hazarded, <laughs> hazarded, <laughs> that's completely wrong. That's not a word. Hazarded. They put themselves under hazard. They hazarded their lives. Paul, talking about Paul and Barnabas in Acts. For the sake of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. At whatever cost to themselves, they put themselves in compromising positions for the glory of God. doesn't matter what befalls me. 
See, if we can get ourselves uh, out of this self, uh, this self-consumed society that we live in, uh, that's why you can't find toilet paper. That's why you can't find milk at the grocery store uh, because your neighbor would rather you starve to death and die than to them not have enough supply for six months. Uh, people are self-indulging, self, uh, they're, they're, they're taking up, they're hoarding uh, vast amounts of supplies. And what about people beside you? Uh, uh, Jesus said, give your cloak also to them. Uh, the, uh, you and me, God's going to take care of us. I don't know how he'll do it. He'll land manna uh, in the middle of our home if that's what it takes. He'll feed us with the birds. He'll feed us. Uh, he'll smoke the rocks and he'll bring forth water. He prepares my table um, in the wilderness and the presence of mine enemies. God's able to meet our needs. We don't have to hoard up supplies in fear of running out because we don't trust God. Uh, that's what's happening. People are selfish. People are living for themselves. But you and me are Christians. We're not like living like the other citizens of America. We're citizens of a heavenly country and we're supposed to be living in a manner that's consistent uh, with our king and portraying what our country is like and that's the people that are suffering on behalf of others gladly and taking it patiently because they've committed themselves to the one who judges righteously. Whatever happens to me and you we can be okay because we are safe and secure in the arms of God if we've ever committed ourselves to him. Commit yourselves to Jesus. You won't revile, you won't threaten, and you'll be able to take suffering, endure it, grief, uh, endure it patiently. Uh, and so we see Jesus betrayed himself. He delivered himself too, uh, the Bible says. <coughs> Romans 1 talks about God giving people up and giving them over. Same word. Uh, so uh, we're just looking uh, here in Romans 4, delivered for our offenses. Uh, Jesus Christ was delivered for our offenses. Same word there. And so I'm just trying to make the point here that Jesus, 100% as the man Christ Jesus, 100% committed himself. He was committed to the cause, to the will, and to the pleasure of his father. And if you and me are going to be successful, so to speak, in the Christian life, we are going to have to stop worrying so much about getting our best life now and getting it at the expense of everybody else. And we are just going to have to remember the only thing that matters in this world is the glory of our precious Savior, the glory of God the Father. It is uh, uh, submitting ourselves, yielding ourselves, betraying what is maybe best for us down here and denying ourselves and following him. Uh, there's people that have done things that humanly speaking look absolutely ridiculous. There's people that have given up jobs and vast amounts of money. They've given up everything that this world is envious of for the glory and satisfaction of God. Uh, and it looks ridiculous to a world, but I'm telling you in heaven, uh, there's a payment coming. We'll reap in due season if we faint not and so stop trying to get along and having your best life now just try to have the best life you can have for the glory of God and if that means suffering then so be it if that means in, uh, uh, shouting then so be it whatever is the will of God whatever God wants for our life we've got to commit ourselves that's what our problem is in our day uh, we've just surrendered we've just given up and waved the white flag at times but we've never really committed 
committed and submitted ourselves in full assurance and trust of a God who is still on the throne with all power. And we have just done uh, uh, not, uh, not well and we've not run very well, at least in my generation, because we've lived for ourselves and you'll never be satisfied. Your flesh will never be happy. The only thing to bring joy and peace into the heart of a person is to live for the glory and will of God. And so I want to exhort you to do that. I've taken too much time here, but uh, he's completely devoted, completely delivered himself at any cost to the will of God. And so uh, Christ delivered himself to the Father. And you know what the Father did, that same word, he was delivered for our offenses. Sometimes it doesn't look like, humanly speaking. Now, for the joy that was set before him, he was a little bit better advantage and uh, what he was able to see later on. But uh, uh, for you and me, sometimes it doesn't look like, like my little IRS letter. Sometimes it doesn't look like, now, God, I don't think I'd have done that. I don't seem to. But Jesus Christ, you know what God did for him? I'm talking about the man Christ, Jesus. For him delivering himself to the Father, you know what he got delivered? God delivered him to suffer on a cruel cross of Calvary. And so I don't know what God has planned for your life. I don't know what he has planned for my life. But I know if it's the will of God, there's not a safer place on earth for a Christian than in the will of God. And so trust Jesus, trust the Lord, and just keep on fighting the good fight of faith. We got to go home before we can ever look at this substitute. Uh, Jesus being the substitute uh, and his substitutionary uh, atoning death here in verse number 22, did no sin, God wasn't found in his mouth. Maybe we should come back. I've preached much longer than I wanted to. Uh, Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. Verse number 24, who his own self, without the help of Mary, uh, without anybody else's help, uh, who his own self, uh, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, uh, that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. And so it gives uh, us some things to look at later on. If we, if we stop now, I got too long to go if I try to continue this chapter. Uh, I wanted to try to get through the chapter, but I think it's best if we stop now. Uh, but uh, uh, we can see some wonderful things here about the Lord Jesus. That, um, that's what spurred me to go to Isaiah 53 Sunday. Uh, but... Uh, uh, the Bible just given us such a uh, tremendous picture here that Jesus suffered. He was sinless. And he was submitted. He was submitted. Uh, he was completely uh, our substitute. Uh, that should help you to suffer. Look at why he suffered. He suffered because of what you did. Surely you can suffer for others. Uh, but he bore your sins in his own body on the tree. And for ye, ye were as sheep going astray. But now you have returned. No, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. And so we'll stop there. I'd really kind of like to go on, but it's been too long, I guess, already. Uh, the great shepherd has returned you. And he has returned you um, to the great shepherd of the sheep. And you were, uh, you were going astray. And so we'll look at that um, Maybe Sunday night or something, but uh, that's a mark. That's a mark that you were healed. Isn't that what that says there?
By his stripes, you were healed, right? You know what's wonderful about that? I'm done preaching. You know what's so wonderful about that? You were healed. Now, that, that uh, tells me that my healing was in the past. I'm not looking for another healing. I, I don't need a further healing. What Jesus did for me on Calvary, when I got saved, I died in him, I was buried in him, and when he rose, I rose in the eyes of God. And uh, so I was healed. There was a time when I was healed. I don't need healed again. Um, once will do you if you've ever had it. Uh, and the mark that you've had it, the mark that you were healed is the last verse there. You were going astray. Now, listen to that last part. A lot of these liberal, independent Baptists don't like that. But the truth is the truth, whether they taught it in their schools or not. The mark of a person being healed there. You were going astray, but now are ye returned to the shepherd and bishop of your soul. So you were going astray, but now you've been returned to the shepherd. And that marks any testimony I've ever heard of a person really getting born again. They were, like the songwriter says, I have ceased from my wandering and going astray. Now I'm not saying we don't fight against that. We've still got the old man and we've got just as many problems as anybody. But there was a time I was going astray. I was a lost sheep unable to find my way home. And God came and rescued me as the great shepherd. And he didn't do it by breaking my leg. He, do it, he did it by breaking himself and carried me upon his shoulders and rejoicing and rescuing me. And so he has returned me unto himself, reconciling me to God. And I was going astray. And thank God, by the grace of God, God has kept me by his power. And he will keep you by his power. If you were healed, he has returned you unto the bishop and shepherd of your souls. And so we'll look at that maybe Sunday night. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the good word of God that helps us so much in these last days. I pray for our people. I pray for, Lord, uh, those that uh, are on our heart that have been dealing with this uh, sickness. Uh, and, Lord, just help us not to take for granted any moment that we have uh, Lord, Christians in our day surely can wake up to the fact and the reality that we need to be redeeming the time. The days are evil. And Lord, if I've learned nothing else, I've learned that my life is but a vapor that appeareth for a little time. And Lord, at any moment, it don't take nothing but an invisible little virus to put me in a hospital bed and within hours I could be dead. And so, Lord, please help us to be sober to that reality. And live each day as it may be our last, whether it be with our families, whether it be with our church and the brotherhood, or whether it be to those on our job. Let us do all the witnessing we're going to do. Help us to do all the things that we're going to do for the Lord. And let us get busy in doing the work of God. Help us, Lord, please, in these last days to be an example to those that are without. We love you and thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.